You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Yes, sir. Big Show Hour 4 continuing live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. It's Calgary Flames game day. Brought to you by South Point Toyota. Pre-game with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson will go at 6.30 today. Puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson goes at 7.45. Note that start time. This 15-minute staggered starts as it's the NHL's frozen frenzy tonight. All 32 teams in action. And that Flames opponent will be the New York Rangers. And we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. And we are joined by Vince Mercogliano, New York Rangers reporter for uh, USA Today, Loha.com, the USA Today family, and a TV analyst for SNY out in New York City. Vince, thank you so much for joining me this morning. I apologize for the winter wonderland that you uh, awoke to. Yeah, you guys are giving me a real jump start yeah. on the winter weather here coming from New York where it was like, you know, more more like 55, 60 degrees. Yeah, us, so. yeah, I was looking at the weather this weekend out in, uh, in uh, New York. It was going to be nice, uh, 25 degrees Celsius. I was away, like uh, low 80s, high 70s. So, hell yeah, it's going to be a nice weekend out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll be in Canada. For yeah, that. exactly. You're on. Yeah, you're on your five. Uh, yeah, the Rangers are on their longest road trip of the season right now. It started on Saturday in Seattle. Great start there. Four-one win uh, as well. Uh, talk to me about the start of this uh, season for the New York Rangers. Three and two. Uh, obviously, a new head coach and Peter Laviolette. Uh, but how are you liking the first five games of the New York Rangers season? You know, I wrote about this yesterday. They've really, in five games, shown us a little bit of everything. They had two excellent games. The opener in Buffalo, they played lights out, and then they were outstanding the other night in Seattle. They had two games where I felt like, you know, they were really disappointed with their performances, especially that loss to Nashville Mm -hmm. last week at Madison Square Garden. They really played poorly in a lot of facets of the game there. And they had one, you know, the win over Arizona, the 2-1 win, where I think they played – Pretty well, they grinded out a win there. So we've seen them win big, we've seen them win tight games, and we've seen them lose where they look like kind of lost in this new system with this new coach. But overall, I think the trends, especially when you look at the lineup construction and how Peter Laviolette has mostly been able to be consistent with this lineup. Mm -hmm. Last year, there was a lot of juggling, a lot of moving parts, and I know that was a frustrating thing for the players as the season wore on. But Laviolette has really let the same lineup go for five and I think will be six games now tonight. And those guys in a lot of respects seem to be clicking that line with Artemi Panarin playing with the two young guys, Philip Hedel and Alexi Lafreniere has had some bad games, especially that game against Nashville, but they've been outstanding in a few of these games. They were an offensive juggernaut in that win over the Kraken the other night, generating a ton of offense. He's really specifically trying to get them out there in offensive situations. And those guys are thriving. Panarin looks rejuvenated by playing with the young guys. The young guys, I know just from talking to them, are really excited for the chance to play with a guy of Panarin's caliber. And that's making a lot of other things in this lineup fall into place. And if you look at a lot of the underlying numbers, the analytics, the Rangers are are rating really strong in a lot of different categories right now. So I think this new system with Peter Laviolette seems to be taking hold pretty well. There's going to be some early growing pains, but I think overall a lot of the trends that we're seeing are pretty positive. And in your latest there at Lohud, you, you do do the analytical deep dive of, of the four lines that are, are working right now. And we'll start with that with that second line, that Artemi Panarin, Alexis Lafreniere, and Philip Hedl line. Like I know like with, uh, with Hedl's doing all right, but I think with, with, 
with Alexis Lafreniere, there was obviously him being selected first overall. It's been kind of a, a slower start to his NHL career. Uh, but you say he's rejuvenated. He feels a lot more fun playing alongside a guy like Panarin there on the second line. How big of a year is this for Alexis Lafreniere? Yeah, I feel like we've said that the last couple yeah. of years, but it definitely is it, it definitely is a big year for him. And you got to think about where he's come from. Obviously, you touched on the expectations, and he hasn't lived up to those. I, I think in some ways we might need to recalibrate it was what a our weird expectations draft. are for this guy. It was a weird pandemic draft. Yeah, I mean, listen, everybody, he was the consensus number one. I don't think there's oh, a yeah. team out there that would have taken anybody else at number one in that draft, but he's not of the McDavid ilk. He's not of some of the other number one overall draft picks that we've seen in the last decade or so. So I think with that, if he ends up being a fairly productive top six player, a guy who can put in, let's say 60, 70 points a season and play a solid all around game. Well, for for, for the Rangers, that's something that they'll take. I, I don't think he's going to be in a hundred plus point player. Maybe mm-hmm. he proves me wrong. I think, you know, a lot of people have questions of skating, especially in talking to scouts. He hasn't quite been able to create the, the type of separation that he needs to, to let his playmaking skills really come to bubble to the surface. And so I think that speed element isn't quite there for him, but he can still find ways to be productive. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think the role that he's in now is a good role for him because with the previous coach, Gerard Gallant, he had him playing on the third line quite a bit in a little bit more of a not defensive role, but a role where he was asked to be more responsible Mm -hmm. defensively right now, this line for all five games has one defensive zone draw. So Peter Laviolette is clearly saying, I'm going to stick you guys out in offensive situations and your job is to go score. And I think that is good for him. That is the reason he was drafted because he's a skilled playmaker and especially playing with the two guys that he's playing with right now. I think there's a potential for them to be a highly productive line You know, in training camp, the big story was that he was moving from the left wing to the right wing. He's always been a natural left winger. And they gave him the first crack at playing on that top line with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. And he, quite frankly, didn't play very well in the preseason games and and didn't have a great camp. So I think that added to some pressure and added to some of the criticism that was sort of circling him. But in this role that he's in now, again, I think just the way that he's being used, it's a good spot for him. It's time to find out if he can be a top six player for you. And it seems like Peter Laviolette is intent on doing that. Another player that uh, I'm sure Laviolette and the Rangers group are, are wondering if they do have a top six guy here is Capocacco, the guy selected the year before Lafreniere, second overall in 2019. You know, he had a pretty good year last year, 40 points. Uh, uh, you know, he's playing on that top line with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. Is he kind of in that same stratosphere, I guess, as Alexis? Or does he have like, okay, well, he's been around a little bit longer there. We have a little bit more, I guess, patience. I don't know with, with Kako. I don't know how to like, it, cause it feels like he's been a little bit better, better start to his NHL career than Alexis. Well, yeah, I mean, he is a year ahead of him, but yeah. I, I do think if you especially look at last season and what we saw during training camp this year, that he is ahead of him. I think he's clearly the best right winger on this roster right now. And what really is interesting for him is the all around development. We talk about the defense yeah. stuff with, with Lafreniere, Kako has developed into one of the Rangers' better defensive forwards. And I sat down and talked with him about this a couple weeks ago because his rookie season, he was completely lost defensively. You know, the analytics will back that up, too. He rated as one of the worst defensive forwards in the NHL that season. But he's made such impressive strides. He really is a smart player. Like Lafreniere, he's not quite a burner, Mm -hmm. but he's a big, strong kid. I don't think people give him enough credit for how much muscle he's put on and how big he is. So he's been able to use that 
effectively along with his hockey IQ defensively. And I think if you watch him offensively, LaViolette talked about this as well, his ability to control pucks in traffic, to control pucks in chaos, down low and find ways to make plays Mm. out of situations where a lot of guys might lose control of the puck is very impressive to me. And it hasn't resulted in the type of points that you'd ideally want from a guy like that. I feel like if you watch a lot of these games, which obviously I watch every single one of them, last season there were a lot of points out there that he didn't quite cash in on, but it felt like he was really close. He finished the year strong. I think he had like 12 points in his last seven or eight games, something like that, in the regular season. And to me, he's the best fit on that top line with Kreider and Zabanajad. They played really well together last year, but for whatever reasons, Gallant, would have them there for spurts and then change it, have them there for another spurt and then change it. The opportunity to take that role and run with it, I think is something that he's relishing. And to me, if you're talking about a breakout candidate, he's a guy that I would put on that list. Talk to me about Chris Kreider. I think we like this guy, you know, he had the bluest way there with the 52 goal season there a couple of years ago. And I think we, we figure like Kreider's more of that guy that he was last year, you know, 36 goals, you know, can, 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 play really well, really well defensively. Just how, how important is Kreider to this unit of, 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 of the New York Ranger hockey? Because I, I don't think he gets a lot of love up here. Well, he's the best finisher they have. It's kind of hard to argue with that based on the last few years. I think Mika Zibanejad is a better all-around pure goal scorer, much better shot, the one-timer. Mika, mm-hmm. to me, is probably their best all-around forward. But Kreider, his ability to work around the net front I don't know if there's a guy in the league who does it better than him. Now, I'm probably a little biased because I watch him more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the tips and the deflections and the way that he's able to position himself around the net, I see him work on this every single day in practice, and it definitely translates to the game. He's leading the team so far with four goals through the first five games. A lot of that work comes on special teams. Three of those four goals are on special teams, two on the power play. And and him and Mika have gotten really good at shorthanded opportunities. The two of those guys, they hunt when they're out there uh, and on a penalty kill. They're not just looking to stop the other team. They're hunting for scoring opportunities, which is really kind of fun to watch. But it's funny. If you talk to Kreider, he doesn't really want to talk about any of this stuff. For him, at this stage in his career, he's come so close to winning. that He's obviously the longest tenured player on Mm -hmm. this team. He's all about getting ready for the playoffs and, and getting this team over the hump. That is his singular focus. I don't think there's a guy in the locker room who is more intense and more focused on trying to win a cup for New York City than he is. And, and so we could talk about the, the areas of growth in his game. Even at this late stage of his career, I think he's still gotten better in some regard. But this guy's all about winning, and, and I think that really yeah. sets the tone for the locker room in a lot of ways. I look at the bottom six of this group. I, I look at the names. I really like it. I, wait, I like the way it's assembled. You get a guy like Blake Wheeler in here. Obviously, a little bit of a slow start uh, from his, you know, as he's taken his first few day, games as a New York Ranger. But, you know, Vincent Trocek, great third-line center. And then you got Barkley Goodrow, Nick Benino. They have the cup pedigree. Uh, it feels like, they, you know, like it's going to be a collectively. That, like that bottom six is going to be a tough, uh, a tough group to crack for teams. Yeah, and that's what the Rangers are hoping for. Mm-hmm. LaViolette has been very vocal about wanting this team to be a grittier team, wanting them to be a harder-working team. We've talked about a lot of the skill and the finesse guys that they have higher up yeah. in the lineup, some of the high draft picks, big signings like Panarin. But what they feel like they needed, again, in that series against the Devils last year and to help them succeed in the playoffs is to have just more of that hard-working mentality, not necessarily you know more hits and more physicality, although – LaViolette definitely wants that, 
but he wants a team that's going to grind you down, that's going to forecheck mm-hmm. with enthusiasm, that's going to backcheck really hard. It's just going to be a, an in-your-face kind of team. And we're seeing from a system standpoint him trying to implement that with this 1-3-1 neutral zone trap, which has given some teams a lot of trouble early on in the season. I know the players seem really excited about it. So he wants them overall to just be a harder working team. I can't tell you how many times he's brought that up. He's, it's been a theme at practice. These practices have been longer, have been harder, have been more intense than what we saw the last couple of years under Gerard Gallant. So he's talked about, he, he doesn't think that this is just a, a switch that you can flick on and off. He thinks that it's a habit that you have to build through training camp and through the regular season. And those bottom six guys that you touched on, a lot of them are the guys that he's counting on to sort of bring that blue collar mentality. And that is what the Rangers at least are hoping will make their lineup more well-rounded and more ready for the playoffs. How is Blake Wheeler taken uh, to uh, the, the the Broadway blue shirts? You know, a captain for nearly a decade in, in a Canadian market goes to a, a massive media market in, in New York. Just like, how is he acclimating himself to a, to a place like New York? You know, he's, he's all smiles. He seems like a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of the guys in the locker room love him. Obviously, Jacob Truba speaks very oh, yeah. highly of him of course. From, the, from their time together with the Jets. I know I talked to him about it during the preseason, and he was definitely lobbying to try to get Wheeler here, and I think he was one of the big selling points. So those two have a great relationship. And Wheeler seems like a, a really calming, you know, sort of good presence with the younger guys as well. I think as far as his fit in the locker room, that's been all positive. The question is going to be how much does he have left in the tank on the ice? 37 years old yeah. now. We know his game was beginning to fade in Winnipeg. There's a reason, obviously, why he was bought out there. Mm-hmm. So the question is how much can he get out of him? And I don't think the Rangers are looking at him as a guy who needs to be a big-time player for them. They're not playing him in the top six right now. They'd rather give those opportunities to the younger guys that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. So in a third-line role, He's not being asked to PK. He had a little bit of time early in the season on the power play, but he's even been removed from that. He's definitely gotten off to a slow start. To me, straight line, he can still get up and down the ice, but you know, when it comes to those quick twitch movements, I feel like he, he's obviously not what he used to be when he was probably one of the better skaters in the league. He's a little more of a lumbering presence now mm-hmm. at this stage, but you know, they're going to give him time. And with the contract that they signed him to, I think $825,000 a year, close to the the minimum in the league, they don't have a lot of eggs in this basket. So I think it was a risk worth taking for sure because it's a very low-risk move. But I do wonder, you know, is he going to be able to find his niche on this team and in this system? And is he going to be able to play a little bit better than what we've seen so far? Or, you know, is he on the back nine of his career here and and things probably aren't going to get much better? So, again, the Rangers don't have a lot of eggs in that basket just from the standpoint of they didn't spend much money on him. But their right-wing depth chart is the thinnest position, I think, on this roster. And so in that respect, they kind of do need him to at least fill a third-line role. And I'm curious to see how that plays out over the course of the season. We're chatting with Vince Mercogliano, a New York Rangers reporter from Lohud.com, USA Today, and a TV analyst over at SNY. Uh, this back six uh, here, uh, Eric Gustafson, the one new name, uh, really added to the group. But, you know, you got Adam Fox, who's an elite guy. You got Jacob Truba. You know, he can, he's the captain. He can throw a hit. We know he's a, he's, a, he's a menacing presence on the ice. But do you think this, this is a good makeup of a group that can be – you got the goaltender in Shesterkin that can be a, a, a Stanley Cup caliber goaltender. Do you think this back six can be that group that can – you know, log out through, you know, a tough four rounds in a postseason? Because we saw it a few years, a couple of yeah, years ago I, in the conference final. 
Yeah, you know, I I think as far as the toughness goes, that's something that the Rangers are, are stressing and trying to infuse more. You certainly get that from guys like Truba, Lindgren, and Braden Schneider. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Fox and when it, it comes to Keandre Miller, not quite their game. But I think the overall talent and the diversity of skill sets that they have on the blue line right now is, is something that they feel pretty good about. Fox, I mean, as you touched on, he's going to be a perennial Norris Trophy yeah. contender, one of the best defensemen in the league. Probably going to get some boost tonight. Uh, yeah, he, I'm <laughs> sure he will. He did last year when we were here, for sure. But he's just, he's just one of those guys, you know, when you talk about the best players on this team, to me, Igor Shosturkin is the most important player on this team. But right after that, you're, you're talking about best overall players on the team. Fox is in that conversation, mm. for sure. So he, he, he's been you know, a real pleasure to watch. To me, the X factor is Keandre Miller because when you talk about talent, nobody on this team may have the upside that this guy has. When you talk about someone who's six foot five, watching him skate is a joy. I mean, he has these big, long strides. He eats up ice. He's able to make up ground in defensive situations that a lot of other guys simply can't do just because they don't have the, the physical gifts to be able to do that. And very skilled, I think, has definitely improved in a lot of areas of his game coming off of a season when he had 43 points and you felt like there was even more that he could have had. So he's a guy where if he hits his ceiling or comes close to hitting his ceiling, that's going to be huge for the Rangers. The, the question is, you know, how, how is he going to go on that trajectory? Is, is he going to reach that ceiling that I know a lot of scouts feel like he can hit? Is he, does he have that ultra upside where everything clicks for him and all of a sudden you're talking about mm-hmm. an all-star kind of player? Or is he going to be more of a second-pairing guy, a solid guy, no doubt, second on the team in ice time, plays all situations, definitely has already established himself as that. I just wonder what else can you get out of this guy because I feel like there's some upside there. Yeah, no, he, Keandre Miller, he's super exciting to watch for sure and uh, another great one to go uh, in this game going forward as a young defenseman. That position is just insane. Uh, the coaching the move, Peter Laviolette, obviously uh, he's got a cup. He's a veteran name, and this is just kind of what the Rangers have been doing really since '94, save maybe for David Quinn in the in the rebuild retool there in uh, in 2018-2021 years. It's been a kind of a veteran coach that they've always brought into this group. It, it was is Laviolette the right guy for this group because Gallant's been there, yeah, you know, Alain Vigneault, but you know, is is Laviolette the one that can maybe lead the Rangers into this promised land? Well, that's certainly what they're hoping. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I got to admit, at first, I was a little skeptical just because, in some respects, it felt kind of stale. This is his sixth NHL yeah. team. It's a guy that's bounced around quite a bit. His tenure in Washington didn't inspire a ton of confidence. In a lot of ways, that was probably his least successful coaching stop. So, coming here, you're kind of wondering, like, okay, they're just sort of recycling a lot of the same names again. Mm-hmm. But I will say this from observing training camp in particular and, and now the first five games of the season there is definitely a noticeable difference. And I think in a lot of respects, some differences that were needed within the walls of the locker room, as far as how he handles the group, he's definitely more of a hands-on coach than Gerard Glant was. You see him stopping practice. Mm -hmm. You see him pulling individuals aside. I think the lines of communication are much better under Laviolette. Glant was a guy who really was hands-off. He delegated to his assistants. He let the players police themselves in the locker room. And at first, I think, the players really enjoyed that. But over time, I think they felt like they needed more. Jacob Truba put it this way. He said we needed more direction. Mm-hmm. And I think they're certainly getting more direction from LaViolette. And I think when you talk about the system, I think the system is more nuanced than what we saw under Gallant. I think 
Gallant liked to play a very simple brand of hockey. And I think when it came, when push came to shove, especially in a playoff series where other teams are, are trying different things and other teams are figuring things out against you and you need to make the proper adjustments, it felt like the Rangers just sort of kept banging their heads against the wall. And I think Laviolette, from an X's and O's standpoint, seems to me to have a little bit more up his sleeve. And I know the players, I talked about the one three one neutral zone trap. I know the players are really excited about that. I think the structure that he's bringing and the different layers that come with the system, how they're going to be used in different situations, I think that that all feels like an upgrade to me. And I touched on the practices, yeah. the intensity, and the way that he's pushing this team, which a lot of the veterans have come out and say it. They want it to be pushed harder. So, so far, my impressions are, are definitely positive. I definitely view this as an upgrade. We'll see. We have 70-whatever-it-is games left to go, so I'm sure there will be ups and downs. I'm sure there will be moments where he's tested and moments where maybe things don't look so great. But my early impressions are that the Rangers are in a better place with him than they were last year under Gallant. 30th anniversary since winning the, the Cup back in 94. How's the fan base feel? I know like, like, like you go over to the Knicks and it's, it's a lot of, they're very critical of how James Dolan does things there. Is, it, is the fan base appetite, uh, I don't want to say as rabid for, for the Rangers. Like I think they're a little bit more patient with them as, as compared to the Knicks and are, but is it, is it time like, hey, you know, like this is 30 years since 94 and, you know, we've had some really good teams here. Like, is this like, is, is the fan base getting a little restless maybe? Well, this is going to be the 30th anniversary yeah. of that last cup win, so it would be pretty poetic if they were able to get it done this season. And listen, that's 100% what they're aiming for. I mean, since Chris Drury elevated to become the team president and general manager, there have been no bones about that. Every move that he's made has been a win-now move, has been a move that's all about not just getting to the playoffs, but chasing the cup. You saw him do it in his first season when he shook things up. He brought in guys like Ryan Reeves mm -hmm. and, and some veteran guys like Barclay Goudreau, who he felt like had a winning pedigree, and it would help the young players on this team get over that hump. You saw it last year at the trade deadline when he made a slew of moves highlighted by Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko. Those are obviously win-now moves. Those are pure rentals for the Rangers, and, and obviously they were very disappointed with how things turned out. So I think the expectations have definitely been ramped up since Drury took over, and that is going to, I think, lessen that patience from the fan base. They expect to win now. They expected to win last year, and they were very disappointed when the Rangers went out in the first round in mm -hmm. the fashion that they did. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they have been patient through the rebuild process. I think the Rangers strategically made a wise move to communicate with the fan base when they were planning to enter that rebuild era, but the rebuild is long over now. That yeah. was over five years ago when they sent that letter. So they absolutely expect to win now. Do they have the team to do it? I'm not sure. I'm certainly not predicting it at this point, but I do think that if you're talking about the eight or 10 teams in the league, the short list of teams that are capable of doing it, they belong on that list. To me, it's really going to come down to two big factors. Will LaViolette make the difference the Rangers are hoping that they're going to make? Because the core is largely the same mm -hmm. that we saw here under Gerard Gallant. So they're banking on this coach to make a difference. And they're banking on this coach specifically to prepare them better for the playoffs. And then it also comes down to the kids. We, we talked about Hedl, Lafreniere, and Kako all getting time in the top six now off the season. That's half of your top six right there. We talked about Keandre Miller. So these guys, if they can elevate and become, in some cases, really strong role players, in some cases more than that, to support the core that's in place of Panarin and Zabanajat and Fox and Shesterkin and Kreider, 
well, then you really have something. But I think they need a little more around that veteran core right now. And they're probably going to make some moves, you know, as we get closer to the deadline. I'm sure they're going to be buyers when we get to that point. But I think a lot of it comes down to how much growth are you going to see from the kids this year as well. Is that Pat Kane possibly an ad as he gets closer and closer to making a decision? Of course, he'll have his suitors. Buffalo is an, is a, is an option. Detroit, uh, I'm sure Colorado, Dallas, out west. But then there's obviously New York. He played there last year. Is is there a real like an, an appetite to bring Patrick Kane back this year? Well, listen, I don't want to give you a hard no because I didn't think it was going to happen last year yeah. when we got close to the trade deadline. I was obviously wrong on that. So I wouldn't completely rule it out. And I know Kane is interested. He mm-hmm. told us that at breakup day at the end of the season yeah. last year. I absolutely believe that he would be interested in reunion. And I think in some ways the Rangers, if they feel like he's fully healthy, wouldn't be opposed to giving it another shot. There's just so many hurdles. And the number one thing is the salary cap. Yeah. If you look at the Rangers cap situation, they entered the season with a 22-man roster, not even carrying a mm-hmm. full 23 because they don't have the cap space for it. And they still only have about $675,000 mm-hmm. in cap space. Now they're going to accrue as we get deeper into the season. They're on pace by the time we get to the trade deadline to have about $3 million in cap space. But Kane, I think, is definitely going to want to sign well before oh, yeah. we get to the trade deadline. Yeah. So. So you're talking about a, you'd have to get him on a discount, like a million and a half, two million dollar type of contract for the Rangers to realistically be able to afford him. And I honestly don't know what numbers he has in mind or if he'd be willing to go that low. There are other teams, specifically the Buffalo Sabres, his hometown team, who definitely can afford yep. to pay him a lot more than the Rangers can. So I think it's unlikely that with the cap space being the main reason. I also think that for what the Rangers are looking for as far as that hard-working mantra that we've heard Laviolette mm-hmm. talk about so much and adding more grit into the lineup. Kane doesn't really help you accomplish that either. It's not like the Rangers are skill-deficient. So I think it's unlikely, but I'm hesitant to say absolutely no because I do believe, especially on Kane's side, there is some interest there. I, I just think there are too many hurdles for them to clear. Vince, thank you so much for uh, chatting a little New York Rangers with me. Uh, safe travels to the game tonight. Uh, hopefully uh, it's no, no problems. Uh, should warm up later. I don't, I don't know. It's it's not nice, but uh, all the best tonight. Enjoy the game. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. There you go. There's uh, Vince Mercogliano, uh, New York Rangers reporter for uh, USA Today, their family of uh, of uh, of uh, media outlets, uh, lohud.com, also uh, TV analyst for SNY out in New York City. Join us now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Around the corner, we'll get you set. For a very busy night around the NHL, there's also oh, a Game 7 in Philadelphia. That's more. Uh, maybe some Flames audio as well. That's next as Big Show Hour 4 continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back. Final segment here on Hour 4 of The Big Show, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. But we have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. 16 games around the NHL tonight, all 32 teams in action as it's the NHL's Frozen Frenzy, a part of uh, ESPN. It's also a Calgary. The Flames are also playing in that, of course. Uh, it's Flames game day uh, brought to you by South Point Toyota. Pre-game with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson will go at 6.30. Puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson goes at 7.45. We're hoping for a 7.45 puck drop. Not 7.47, not 7.49, 7.45. So... 740, you can do your entrances and anthems. 
If there's one, if there's one night you night you need you need to get it on time. You need to tonight. get it on time because it's, it's the best way to make this uh, little jump around frenzy work with uh, John Bucci-Gras. and uh, and we want to see more of these. We want to see more of these, so it's got to be seamless the first time. Exactly. There's more. there's one other time this year. Uh, it's January thirteenth. I think it's a Saturday where all, all uh, thirty two teams are going to be in action, but they're not going to do the frozen frenzy on that day but uh it's, it's rare it's only the second time in in since the league expanded to 32 that uh every team will be in action uh so i think this needs to be more of a regular occurrence maybe uh, four times a year or so you have all 30 i know scheduling it matters a lot and everything but uh yeah this this is pretty cool that the nhl is going to be doing it. it'll all get underway around four o'clock uh with the leafs and the capitals out in washington dc Got the Ducks and Pred or sorry, Ducks and Blue Jackets going to four thirty. Uh, maybe a good one at out in Ottawa there uh, with the Sabers trying to right the ship there against uh, the Senators. Uh, Carolina and Tampa Bay as well. The Stars and Penguins. Some good games, obviously. No, there's only two divisional matchups. Really, out of all these games, there's only two of them that are actually teams from the same division, and that is uh, Winnipeg and uh, St. Louis and Buffalo and Ottawa. Buffalo and Ottawa should be a good game. Yeah, should be, should be. Uh, but the Flames, they will be in action at 745, uh, welcoming the New York Rangers as they continue their uh, longest uh, road trip of the season. The Flames just finishing up their longest road trip of the year, only getting one win on that roadie. Uh, it's got to be bit, got to be bigger, got to be better tonight uh, for sure. Uh, let's hear from the head coach. Uh, he spoke to uh, the media yesterday following a practice that they weren't supposed to have, but here's Ryan Huska following uh, yesterday's practice. When I think about the five games on the road trip, it really looked like you guys were trending in the right direction the first three games yeah. of the trip. You like how the trip ended, not from a results. Sorry, guys. Not not as far as the results, but as far as the process. Uh, not how it ended, no. I would agree with you at the beginning portion of the trip. I, I felt like we were um, starting to make some inroads for sure in Pittsburgh, um, Washington, and Buffalo. Um, there was a lot of those games we did like. Um, the last couple not so much, especially last night in Detroit was not a not a good night for us. What was the message today then? Um, <clears throat> there's a few different ones for sure. Um, yeah, I guess yeah, we gave them a little bit of feedback and information as to what we saw. Um, and then we challenged them to turn the page and make sure they're ready to play tomorrow. Um, you, you mentioned turnovers after, after the game yesterday. Yeah. Has, has that been a persistent yeah, issue? It has. Um, and that's, I guess, if you look at one thing that's caused us a lot of issues in regards to our chances against, um, a lot of them are coming off of our mistakes with the puck. So we're giving opponents too many good opportunities based on, on what we're doing with the puck. So it is something that we have to do a much better job of moving forward if we want to have a chance to win. Um, you make them aware of it. I think that's one thing that we have done as a staff. Um, you know, the, the next phase is you start to reduce a little bit of time and then eventually out of the lineup is something that we'd have to do. I mean, you want to put yourself and your teammates in a position to have success and by being careless with the puck doesn't do that. We, we talked about maybe Jonathan wanting to shoot more this season. Just how have you found his, his game uh, to start the season? Here? Um, a little bit up and down, probably like the rest of our team. Um, there's been stretches where I think the puck's been on his stick and he's done some good things with it. And then there's been other times where he's he's – He's almost at times looks like he's thinking too much when he plays. We want him to just be free and and play, and a lot of that means you're moving your feet and you're you're playing on instincts, but um, n not letting go of the other part of the game that's important. So up and down, I guess short answer. And, and you've you've had him killing games when you've had the lead here, but but 
had that whole line wasn't great defensively versus Detroit. So how would you say away from the puck, like that adjustment for you? Um, it, it overall, yeah. it hasn't been too too bad. Last game was not a good night for for that line in particular. Um, some of the details and our structure for sure were off with that with that line, and those are things that we have to be uh, much better with, without a doubt, individually and collectively. We all know how important Rasmus is to this team, mm-hmm. not having him available for these next couple of games. I mean, how, how big of an adjustment is it for this? Well, it's opportunity. It's similar to an injury. You have a chance now to play uh, maybe a different situation than you did before, so that's the way we want our guys to look at it. Like, nobody's going to come in and, and do the job that Ras does. Um, but another guy's going to come in and be able to have impact the way he plays the game to his identity, and that's what we need to see from all of the guys that are going to be playing. Overall, how have you felt about the way your group has generated offense and, and been able to create chances? The offensive side of things isn't too bad. Um, I guess when you look at it number-wise, we're you know the top kind of third of the league from the analytics that we have. The issue is on the other side, and that's the more important part for us that we have to rectify. I know there weren't a lot of bright spots in Detroit yesterday, but yeah. was Yegor Sharangovich one of them? And is yeah. he starting to find it offensively? I'd agree with you. I mean, he has been, um, I feel like he's been getting more and more consistent, more comfortable, I guess, or confident is maybe a better word that I can use for him. So um, you're starting to see him carry the puck a little bit more. He's skating, um, and we are starting to see him shoot the puck. So we almost feel like when, when he's able to get two to three shots a game, he's, he's around the puck and he's going to have impact, and that's what he's done the last few games. In terms of the line blender, like what are you looking for as a coach in terms of chemistry or how you how you put these duos and, and trios together? Um, chemistry, for one. Um, you want to try to find that. I don't think we've found that yet. Um, so we're still mixing and matching a little bit. There has to be an element of grit on a line. There has to be an element of pace on a line. And there has to be um, some guys that can make plays in order to, to be effective. And I think those are, when you're looking at combinations or trios, that's what you're trying to put into place. So it... There needs to be a, a little bit of all of that on the line, in my opinion. One of those areas gotten off to a really hot start in the AHL. Uh, I'm sure you're not mm-hmm. surprised. We, we had a good camp, but yeah. uh, paying attention to it. Oh, for sure. We always do, and that's one of the beauties of having these guys here. You know, um, There's been a few of them down there that have got off to great starts, and that's that's what you want for them to, to push the envelope. So if, if we're needing a guy, um, they want to be the first on the, on the list. The penalty kill was your baby for a, a long yeah. time. Uh, the numbers are great. You guys are actually plus one in the penalty kill this year. Yeah. Has the PK been as good as the numbers would indicate? Uh, no, <laughs> it hasn't. I mean, that's the short answer to it. So it's got some work to do for sure, Willsey. Yeah. There is a report that, that no on the team or closer to an extension. You've been around this guy for a long time, whether it's on the ice or off the ice, just the areas of growth you've seen of Noah since uh, since he got here. I think it's the two-way game. Like, he's he settled his game down a little bit um, from when he first came here. It was always go, go, go to start with, and he'd get chasing out of position. I mean, you still see that happen, um, but he's 26 years old. Um, you're getting to the point where you're – you know, we've always talked about defensemen taking a little bit longer to develop. Well, he's kind of getting into that wheelhouse where he needs to be at his best now. So those situations where he gets chasing or running around in his own zone, they have to get reduced now moving forward. And he's also got to continue to play with confidence, um, using his skating ability to get himself up in the rush and to generate a little bit of offense. He's got that ability too. 
he's still in that phase where he's developing and getting oh, better. Oh, for sure. He's got 600 games, right? Most guys are who they are at that point. It, which is a weird thing, you know, for a young guy at 26 years old. I mean, he, I think when we were on the road there, he's the first in that draft class to hit 600, and that's an impressive stat, and it goes – um, to say a lot of things about the way he takes care of himself and the way he prepares for the game. And uh, a lot of it has to do with the skating ability too. Um, but 26 is still young. Um, you're getting to the point now where you're kind of mid-range, I guess, for a defenseman. So now it's time to take the next step for sure. But um, he's he's a really solid defenseman. Do you pay attention to rumors and stuff like that? Like how does a coach approach him? He asks players all the time. But like, do you sort of... Like keep tabs on that stuff as a coach or contract stuff? Yeah, yeah. No, that's Craig's Craig's area of expertise, so I would try to stay out of that as much as possible. There you go. There's head coach Ryan Huska following practice yesterday. Yeah, a little report came out of Thirty Two Thoughts with Elliot Friedman, Jeff Merrick, uh, that Noah Hannafin and the contract with the Calgary Flames moving um, seemingly in a more positive direction. That Elliot would be surprised. If, uh, if if Hannafin doesn't sign an extension, I know we had Eric Francis on earlier. GVP, I want to get your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, George asked him the question: Is like, is continuing to sign guys to extensions in this core that haven't won? Is it the right way to approach it? Because I get it. The team was kind of like they're, they're kind of you know the the bed was made when yeah. when when Tree made the trade with Florida, um, and Goudreau said no. So it was kind of like, well, we want to see stay contender here. This is we think this is a good group, but early returns. The, the, the Huberdo and, and Kadri both have a year and some change underneath them, and it ain't working. It ain't working with the guys around him. Is is adding, continuing adding more money to this core the right right move? What what else can you really do? Right? I think you kind of mentioned it there. We've already made our bed. Yep. We've already invested heavily into Huberdo. We've already have heavily invested into Nazem Kadri. Um, the only way this team is going to be able to contend with, with these guys performing, maybe not at their full potential, but we need, we obviously need to get more from them. But if, if some of these younger guys can really establish themselves as quality NHLers, that's, that's the only way this can happen. If not, we're going to be kind of, we're going to be a team that's going to just scraping into the playoffs year in and year out. And it is a lot to ask because when I'm looking at this roster specifically up our boards here, beyond our wingers, be, beyond Jonathan Huberto, who's established himself as a surefire top six winger on on our roster. Like Dylan Dubé has been given chances year yes. in and year out, and he's never really been able to take that step beyond getting you know 15, 17 goals, something like that. Do you like, like, do you put Dubé into that same conversation as like because I right like, like he is what Dubé he is has at, NHL experience. He's yeah. had a lot more NHL runway than a guy like Connor Zari, uh, Jacob Pelche, Matt Coronado. Like he is still a young guy. He's still he's like I mean he's twenty five. I guess he's not super uh, yeah, at that young point, anymore. At twenty five, you're not a prospect anymore. You you're an NHL. You should know what you are. You, you kind of like Dylan Dubé. He is what he is at this point, and it's not a knock against him. Nope. He is a he's an NHLer on any team in the league. He he's just maybe not. A top six guy, a guy that can say he's gonna get us. He's gonna get us over the hump here. He's gonna maybe score twenty five goals this year. I, I I just don't see that happening. Nope, you're right. And and Matt Coronado is a guy. I love his game and all that. And anything we get from him this year is a bonus. Mm-hmm. And you know it's only up from here because it is his first season. Yep. But it we we need to see you know drastic progression mm-hmm. for for the Flames to 
you know, really put the puck in the net this year. Adam Rajitska is another guy who has a lot of potential, but again, he's never really sunk his teeth into a top six role. And he, yeah. he, he might not have been able, to, he wasn't given that much of an opportunity for that and all that. The sample size might be small, but that small sample size kind of shows that maybe that he might be in over his head in a top six role. So it, it, it is kind of worrisome, but, what do we make? Like it is, it is. Like, and, and, and this is where you're trying to find the, the right wingers. And I think, like, you know, I think we 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 thought we might have had one in Andrew Mangiapane. Yeah. You know, 35 goals two years ago, and yeah, he shot the lights out. That shooting percentage was probably not sustainable. But either was last year's. And then like, this year, I mean, it's it's early returns, but he's got three goals on seven shots. Yeah. So he's he, he knows how to to obviously be that type of guy. I think I think Mangiapane would be a one that I, I want to yeah. see in more of a in a more top I would agree with role that. like yeah. in the top 6. I think he's he's got that ability. I, I kind of questioned how possible it would be for Mangiapane to get back to that goal scoring ways just because we didn't know how how he was going to look coming mm-hmm. after coming off of uh that shoulder surgery and whatnot. For from what I've seen, he's looked pretty healthy. He's a guy that you know, gets to the dirty areas of the ice and just seems to have a nose for the puck. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that could be potentially a good matchup with Huberto. I just don't know who they're going to play with him at center. I, I I actually love George's idea. Of well, Backlund. Huberto, Backlund, Mangiapane. I, I love that that combo, to be honest. Like, from what we've seen from Kadri, he's played like a third-line center this season. And, and, Backlund, be. and Backlund's played like a second-line center. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that would be the the logical way mm-hmm. of making that combo. And I don't think it's the worst thing of in the world to separate Huberto and Lindholm either. Because if no. you look at the team up north, McDavid and Drysettle, that team is going to be better off in the long run if those two, t- two guys play on separate lines mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they drive their own line. Yep. And I, I think the Flames could be able to emulate that. It's just that Huberto needs to pull up his socks a lot more. Yeah. Uh, he's making the most money on this team. I know he's got a lot of pressure on him and and whatnot. But uh, Maddie, I love Maddie's observation of that. You kind of know what Huberto is going to do before he actually does it. He needs to have a little bit more mystery in his game. And I get he's a pass first type guy, but you know there's got to be ways you can just be a little bit more uh, more yourself out there. Because I don't think Jonathan Huberto is what he was last year, no. but I also don't think he is what he was in Florida. Yeah. Uh, in his last year, I think that there there is obviously something in between. I mean, I mean, or whatever with Nazem Kadri at this point. I think this was a this 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 is going to be what it is, and it's it's going to be it's going to be a tough one to to watch that going forward. I, that's just my opinion early on. I, I I've got no faith that that thing can work out with Kadri in this team, but we it has to right. It has yeah. to it has to get figured out here somehow. Just be a little bit more of a contributor. In your way, we're not asking to be the 70, 80 point guy, but he has that one. Like everybody's talked about it. He is one of the top two centers, like a middle six guy, like, yeah. like, or a middle center, like in being that second line. I don't know, man. Even if he's not going to be in our top six and we're going to have to pay him $7 million to be our third line center, at least play with some energy. Mm. You know, like I, I like seen... the fight on Friday. I like the fight that he had. Um, like, uh, but. Other than that, it, 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 has it not, hasn't been great. It isn't the Nazem Kadri that Calgary originally tried to acquire a few years ago when he said no. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with. I agree with you on all points. Like he, even last year, it was only just just flashes of that, right? And then and then the the back half of the year, we saw a lot of bad body language from Kadri yeah. and just a lot of the stuff that you know I didn't really expect from him when we originally signed him. I thought he was going to be a guy that kind of 
fit here perfectly, especially if he was going to be a guy who played on the edge and played with a lot of tenacity. Because he, he should be a guy like Majapani who should have a good nose for the puck, mm-hmm. should be able to, you know, find a way to put the puck in the net. But he's a goal scorer first. Mm-hmm. But uh, we still we're still waiting for Nazem Kadri to be Nazem Kadri, and of course we're still waiting for number ten to be number ten. Uh, again, sixteen games tonight in the NHL. Also, want to mention there is a game seven in the uh, in MLB. Uh, National League Championship Series, the Philadelphia Phillies and the Arizona Diamondbacks. How much pressure is on this Phillies group? Because, I mean, early on, early returns, you know, come out the gate, they beat the crap out of the D-backs. Now, you know, Arizona has rallied to this point to get it to a Game 7 where I think a lot of people didn't have any hope that the D-backs would get here. Uh, what do you what do you like? You like Philly tonight? Do you think yeah, Arizona it's, can, it's, can pull it, one more over him? I, I think Arizona might be able to do it. But We're riding that momentum, man. I, that's what I'm thinking, too, right? And, you know. They won one in Philly. They yeah. won one and in Philly. Philly's kind of been living and dying by the long ball here in those last two games. Like, like if Merrill been... Kelly like can be that guy again, tonight, he was really good to start game two. Like, yeah. he was pretty good. And then it was the bullpen that kind of let it all out. So if, if you get another good start from Merrill Kelly and and if these bats like Guriel tripping in with a home run and then Gabby Moreno just doing what he is, it's just like it I'm hurts watching the series these guys. Is even this close. Like from after that ten nothing game that mm-hmm. Philly put up on Arizona, it oh, felt yeah. like it was it was wrapped. Sweeper five at least, but yeah. no, here we are. And uh Arizona has a chance to get to their uh second World Series in team history uh tonight. Uh Philadelphia looking to get back to uh, another one. They were there last year against Houston. Uh, they will host, uh, or rather, I think it is Texas is going to host game one regardless now because they yeah. had, they won the season series. The opening series of the year was the Rangers and Phillies, and the Rangers won that one, and then obviously the Diamondbacks were wild card. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun tonight. Uh, I think Arizona can win. I think Arizona think so? can go into Philadelphia and upset them there. Yeah, that's, be close. It's, I, I don't think, think it's, it's going to be, be as bad close. as last night with uh, with the Rangers and Astros. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a close one. I'd... I, I don't hate that pick by any means. I would just like to see Philly get to the World Series. I, I love Bryce Harper's sure. game. He's a guy yeah. that just plays the right way, I think. I love guys who play baseball hard, and he's one of those guys that does that. So I, I'd take the Phillies just on that metric, just because I'm a fan of Harper. But, yeah, I mean, Arizona is, is an exciting team, and yep. if they're able to come back and be that underdog, who doesn't love an underdog story? That will be uh, on Sportsnet 1 tonight. Uh, you can watch that one at 6.07, I believe, is the first pitch. Uh, Merrill Kelly up against Ranger Sor- or sorry, just not Merrill Kelly. It's Brandon Fott. Merrill Kelly was last night. Brandon Fott was uh, was starting tonight. He was also pretty good. Uh, 15 strikeouts in the postseason. Up against Ranger Suarez. Uh, 6.07 first pitch over on Sportsnet. One as well. 16 NHL games to pick from. It'll all get underway at 4 o'clock with the Leafs and Capitals. Of course, the Flames will be a part of this frozen frenzy as well. Their start will be 7.45 at the Dome as they return home. Uh, be safe out there. The weather sucks. Snow everywhere. Uh, if you are heading to the game tonight, uh, give yourself a couple couple hours uh, ahead of time to, to get down there because I'm sure it's not going to be pretty with all the construction and, of course, this weather as it is the first snowfall of the season here in Calgary. Uh, Jeff Merrick's show is next. They'll kick off uh, the program like he does always with Elliot Friedman. Flames pregame show at 6.30, puck drop at 7.45, and it's a Calgary Flames game day brought to you by South Point Toyota. Thank you to GVP. Thank you to Eric, Eric Francis, Greg Wyshynski, John Bender, and Vince Mercogliano. Uh, all of those interviews are up on our podcast feeds, Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon. It's all there. Jeff Merrick's show is next. Thank you for listening. Keep it locked right here. Sportsnet 960 fan.